It's July 8, 2022, and this is Ablecraft, episode 32. I'm Abel Kirby. And I'm Sir Spencer. Rolling another one. Oh, yeah. Not just like the other ones, though. <laughs> no, this one's different. This one's new. This, this one's one Jul- is, uh, July 8. July 8. July 8 is July great. Yeah. It's what you say when, if someone asks you, G- yo, G, you say July 8. July 8. That's, that's, right. a, that's a Philadelphia joke. Some people might get that. What? <laughs> what? You, you ever hear that one? Uh, I guess no. you're from the wrong neck of the woods. No. That's, a, that's how you ask I'm just a, a simple Midwest hick, man. That's how you ask a girl out in Philadelphia, though. Yo, G. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I won't explain it. It's not funny if you do. The, a lot of stuff going on. We had no podcasting 2.0 today. And, and that's, oh, a, that's a that's shame. A- that's a shame, but a, a relief in a sense, because I was just coming in here blind, like I missed it, and I haven't read anything, and I, I wasn't aware that it was skipped or whatever. Yeah, well, there's have... there's events since our last episode uh, in Podcasting 2.0. Uh, last week, they had an episode uh, where they discussed something I think we discussed on this show. And That's right. It was a, uh, nice. It didn't go the way that I, I expected it. I thought they'd be completely against it, but this was the little discussion we had um, about some kind of bounty on features that we want for our podcast backends because I can't do rust for example. And, right. uh, I thought, I thought Adam was going to come out swinging against it. And it seems like he has uh, had a change of tune <laughs> since his initial reaction. And, uh, the idea is that there's going to be some kind of hackathon for podcasting 2.0. That's going to be awesome. With the prize money. And yeah. this has been occupying some of my thoughts lately. What I think we should do is, and and the listeners can help with this too, is get at least a couple ideas that we can promote um, for, you know, ideas for things to hack on. And what what are the big requests of the Ablecraft listeners for podcasting 2.0 adjacent things? It doesn't have to be exactly something that's in the spec, but it could just be something that would be useful to people who also use podcasting 2.0. I'm going to keep the window a little wider than uh, I think... uh, and Dave Jones uh, and uh, Adam Curry are going to keep it. And I think we should have our little prize pool. I'm, I'm, I could put some money up for this. Okay. And uh, it'll be in sat, so there'll be a little bounty for the stuff we want. And it might be awarded the same way as the podcasting 2.0 one. But, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of work to do to figure out what kind of uh, what kind of rubric we're going to use to award this? And I've been right. I've been going back and forth with uh, just just silly ideas for, you know, maybe there's a scoreboard. You know, if you include this, then you get you know the payout increases a little. And it's, I don't know. It's it, it's sure, a sh- like a graded rubric kind of thing. <laughs> you know, there was a there was a joke that I was trying to run on Rare Encounter. Mm, I don't know, it must have been a month, uh, a couple months ago, and Cold Acid shot it down, where I wanted to have a live um, web dev contest, the Web Dev Olympics. And the idea would be that we'd, in the first part of the show, we'd uh, we'd publish, here's the list of all the crap, and it would be like 10 points for a blink tag, and if you uh, include a bunch of weird esoteric things, and it was, you know, a big, big old joke. And then by the end of the show, we go we go and review them uh, for an extra long live show. And uh, no one thought that was funny the way I thought it was funny. So <laughs> I guess this is I'm I'm getting all excited about it because uh, it's uh, maybe a chance to, to be silly and uh, and uh, have a stupid objective uh, 
for a hackathon. I don't know. I think we need to come up with something minimum, even if it's not just you know for fun. If it's uh, if it's um, maybe a feature that we're looking for, you know, if you can hit any of the bullet points of the things that we're we're interested in doing, then uh, that's where the payouts are going to be coming from. I think is the uh, the direction I'm going. Yeah, I like that. So right now, there's a couple things that have been. I've been shaken into doing myself yep. uh, instead of waiting. And the first one is leaderboards. Yes. So, a great deal of discussion on leaderboards. Uh, we're in a regular leader fever right now. Yeah. Between. Well, uh, that was like a feeding frenzy on the last bowl after bowl too, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. So how are, how come people are, are bowl after bowl doesn't have a leaderboard if I understand correctly. That's correct. Uh, we don't have one. Um, didn't really have plans to implement one, at least not, you know, I mean, if you listen to Bull After Bull, you know we got some serious plans, and we've had some for yeah. <laughs> a year or two on some <laughs> things, and sometimes the plans, they kind of cycle on the to-do list, and, you know, they're kind of like waving at you, looking sexy, shaking their ass, and you're not yeah. really grabbing them and putting them in play uh, 24-7. So... I have some plans and, in fact, some ideas for the hackathon that would have probably come before a leaderboard in precedent. Yes. Uh, um, I, I, can you, why don't you list those out? Do you have a, something sure. in front of you you can talk to? I'll, I'll take yeah. them down in the notes so we'll have a record. Okay, great. Well, one that I know that uh, we've talked about here and you've talked about on Rare Encounter and we, it just comes up a lot uh, because it's a thorn in our side is uh, lanes for shows and helipad. Yes, the filtration to be able to just say, all right, filter just by this show. Show me everything from uh, Ablecraft, for instance. Like when we're reading ours, mm -hmm. it's tough because you've got a lot of rare encounters bumping into it. I've got a lot of bull after bulls on my side. Uh, and then we both have this uh, booberry episode that keeps popping <laughs> in every once in a while. Yeah. Behind the schemes that uh, we were split in. Mm -hmm. So uh, that would be immensely helpful. And the second thing that, is top of mind for me that I've been really thinking about for a while, but just haven't <laughs> even uh, blown the dust off the surface of is customizable sounds for different amounts that are coming in. Yes. That is another one that's been on the rare encounter to do list. Um, the, we had a, a little shtick that was going to be part of this where we were going to have a playlist. And so by boosting and the sound playing it, you progress to the next item in the playlist. Mm, I like and, that. And so this is what enables the, the absurd idea, and we never got to it. And I, I gave up because I can't deal with uh, Rust and Helipad, was that we would go basically pick a song like Bohemian Rhapsody and just click clip out every single word, individual word. Mm -hmm. And then to get the song to not to get the song to play, you know, you just have to keep boosting in order was the joke. And uh, the clipping of this of the of the waveforms is simple. Uh, it's just a little arduous. But yeah. the uh, getting helipad to do what I wanted just didn't work. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I worked a little on just getting custom boost sounds in not even for different amounts, just changing the one on there automatically. And uh, I was, I ended up with some trouble where I could get a file on, but then I would have to go and set permissions on it in a way that I didn't really want to. So my easy solution turned out to not be so easy. And that's another, another failure on my, oh, uh, man. my dev trail. Uh, this is the life of dev, man. This is how it works. That's it's the, uh, it's just how it, that's how it goes, man. <laughs> there's a it couple. It doesn't work. And then it 
doesn't work, but, you know, less badly, and then it mm -hmm. doesn't work, but even less badly, and then s suddenly, you know, you have something that works, There's, kind of. I've got, a, I've got a couple things that I'm really looking for, and some of these have, a, one of them has some utility that's really only for other back-end projects, but it is um, a simple way, and I have to underscore and then highlight and double, triple underscore the word simple uh, way to get something out of the transaction database and onto a remote computer that does not, and this is the key, is that it cannot involve me, if I want to use this as, as kind of a building block to develop something else off from, I can't have to go and build gRPC to do it. I want, and this is the thing that stopped me from doing a lot of the other things I want to do is... Right, it, I remember it's just, that. It's just too much out of the way from to just say, hey, I just really want to look at one transaction record, or I want to, I want to go sure. search the database for this. And the different ways that that's been done, for example, in Helipad, they they just make a clone of, I think it's a um, SQLite database. I believe that's right, yeah. For Helipad, and it just clones the, um, you know, Lightning, on, on your RASP Blitz, there's a core database that has all the transaction records, and it kind of clones it into an easily accessible database that the other software can actually uh, access without having to do all this other stuff. So that would that would be it. Just a simple access method, and it's really a piece of middleware, and I don't... I am not even going to give guidance on how I think it should be done. The only guidance I'm going to... that I have is you have to be able to do it without understanding gRPC. It has to be some kind of wrapper, basically a wrapper for gRPC that makes it easy to build off from. Sure. Um, that's been a want for a very long time for me. And it maybe this is the place to do it. You know, the, the motivation for someone who knows how to do that uh, seems kind of poor unless you also want to do, you know, some, uh, like who wants to just develop middleware that they're not going to use, you know, it's right. Yeah. Uh, so maybe this is a case where the the prize money can incentivize someone to <laughs> to to help out with this. The um, you know, well, if if the other one would was basically like a boost. We have boost CLI, and yes, what I what I think would be nice to have. It, and maybe this is an idea for you know. Uh, uh, another project that you could get, we can attach some uh, some prize money dollar value or sat values to these. But one of them would be like a um, lightning, uh, like something that runs on your Raspberry Blitz, like Helipad, you know, like a website basically that you go to you on, that runs on the uh, on there that lets you boost um, with the podcasting 2.0 TLV record, mm. it, and maybe even in, just in a um, if you just fill out the fields in a custom way, it doesn't have to be like a whole integrated, like I'm, it's an app and I'm boosting. I'm thinking about something that's more like for testing. So you like want a, like Boost CLI to be, have a version of Boost GUI. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, but it's... Essentially. The the thing, the problem that I have with Boost CLI uh, is another, you know, here. How about this? Here's here's something that uh, that I would put a, attach a little bit of prize money to. How about a working tutorial for Boost CLI installation that doesn't skip over all the hard parts? Yeah, Beca can't because no, no, no. You got to already know all the Debian shit. You have to you have to al already know <laughs> too much. 
to yeah. follow the instructions that currently exist. So it's, it's not tarred proof yet, no. unfortunately. Because um, I've tried a number of times as well to get Boost CLI going in. I can't. Yes. Can't do it. So there's a there's a tutorial that has to be uh, dummy proof. Mm-hmm. That has to, you know. I gotta, yeah. It, it's user ready. It's not for sysadmins or something to do. It has to be ready for users to, to do. Right. User yep. ready install instructions. Um, going back to the uh, leaderboard concept, though, because I think uh, obviously there's some some demand for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, w- I wanted to mention that although we don't technically have a leaderboard, CDubs did write one into the boost bot for us and ran it. And that was kind of uh, initiated by Adam's boost. Um, he boosted like, uh, he boosted 25,000 sats and just said leaderboard boost to bull after bull, just like randomly right after that podcasting 2.0 episode where, you know, leaderboards were discussed and stuff. (laughs) Yeah. So it was just kind of like wild and out of the blue. And so then, uh, everybody kind of wanted to beat him on the leaderboard and there was sort of a a feeding frenzy after that. And so, let's see, I'm, I'm looking at BoostBot on Mastodon right now, it's where he had it. And so, it's a little confusing, because there's no real indication, uh, necessarily, that this is from bull after bull boosts, or if it's from bo- all of the BoostBot boosts, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it looks like he sorted one into biggest amount boosted in a single boost, and the other into uh, most amount boosted in the last seven days. And it looks to me like uh, it, it's going to be including all podcasts that uh, BoostBot's hooked up to. Mm-hmm. But daily, it, it's boosted out now, which is interesting. So I want to talk about leaderboards for a, a couple seconds. Maybe, sure. Maybe even more than a couple seconds. Uh, and just share a couple things that I've discovered. And I, I've heard from a couple other people who've done leaderboards. I think Mere Mortals commented on this. and uh, The... The biggest time sink in preparing the leaderboard isn't actually doing all the filtering. That's pretty straightforward. If you once you get into the database, which is a task in itself, sure. Um, but once you can get that and start operating on the data inside, the biggest time sink is actually getting all the aliases for all our friends sure. uh, straight. Yeah, Be- because the name field in the TLV record. Uh, well, for some people in particular, they have four or five different names that they've gone under since, well, let's just say since um, one year ago. Sure. That's, that's when my node uh, started, by the way. I hit the one-year mark. Oh, congratulations. And so as people were testing different apps and trying a bunch of different things, sometimes they have their name spelled in a slightly different way. Sure. Um, sometimes people have a space at the end of their name. And so you have oh, to be Oh, that's just cruel. Sometimes there's mixed case upper and lower and, and so you Right. Know, yep. You, the the matching game is easy, you know, you say well maybe I only want to match on uh on you know, I'll I'll take the lowercase version of the string and compare that and then, you know, maybe that's a, a quick way to get around the fact that some people use different cases on different apps, but the the hard one is pe- sometimes people just use completely different names, and I know what they are because I know them, but uh, otherwise there'd be no way to, to tell the alias. So I did it once. I went through my database, and I have one alias list, and I don't think I'm going to keep continue updating it. So if you keep if you change your name in the future, you may start from zero on the leaderboard unless there's a special favor involved or something. <laughs> I guess if you boost enough, if you're high enough on the leaderboard, I, I can add an alias for Rare Encounter. 
but I'm I'm happy I got a leaderboard that it, the Python script that sucks everything in and it tallies up boosts, streams, and boostograms. Nice. It sums them up for each name. It deals with the ambiguity of some, you know, some people have aliases for their names, which are kind of manually typed in, but those could be uh, built into a file, like an alias file or something. Um, and it also generates the HTML, so I don't have to type work on that. And, and the HTML that's generated is what goes up on the uh, on the uh, website. And the current, let me type it in. I think you have to have HTML at the end of it. So it's ablekirby.com slash leaderboard.html. And uh, I, put, I put a little version marker at the top. This is for Rare Encounter, though. This isn't for Ablecraft. I wasn't able to get the full version of that leaderboard. But that leads me to something interesting. The leaderboard for Rare Encounter actually shows the what's the field is called total MSATs, uh, mm-hmm. if I remember off the top of my head. And it has the total number of SATs which were sent uh, by the app this is pre-division. It's the uh, the pre-split number. Sure. I'm waiting for someone to realize, putting this out there, maybe I'm just asking for it. I'm waiting for someone to realize that you can type anything into that number. Well, C-dubs <laughs> has proved this before, actually. So, well, By C-dubs is a... Is spoofing, a and, uh, spoofing and ridiculously large boost that actually wasn't that large yeah. at all. So what you can't spoof is the settlement uh, amount in the record. And so th- there's two ways to deal with this. One is that I'm just going to go with the settled amount and not the TLV amount, which is I think is not satisfying because people want to see the whole number. And, it, you know, it makes all sure. the numbers smaller. Well, um, and it also kind of fucks with the numerology people are trying to achieve when they send, you know. Yep. I think a better way to do it, uh, and, and the thing that I'm going to pursue – uh, is going to be, for example, for Rare Encounter, I know what all the splits are. Right. And so if I get a TLV record that's for Rare Encounter, I know I already know what, what the amount is. I know the settled amount, and I know what you, yep. you're claiming you sent. And so I should be able to go back and do the math and check it and make sure it's within a couple sats, a, you know, so a little bit of sure. margin for, for routing, right? Yeah. To find out uh, if this is plausible or not. I think that's the direction I'm going to go, and it would prevent abuse uh without uh without hobbling my uh my numbers man you gotta get the numbers as high as yeah you, know. you gotta report the high number for sure yep so um i did create a leaderboard for ablecraft but i used a, a little bit older version this uh re leaderboards v 0.1 beta for rare encounter uh is actually the second version of the script the first version uh had a little bug that prevented the the uh, total amount from going through the mm. the functionality is is it try it looks for a TLV record so it looks for that field in the TLV record and if it f- can't find either one of those then it just reverts to the the settled amount and that's what happened in this script for uh, for that's generating the numbers I'm about to read off but I wanted to read maybe the top three for uh, maybe the top four let's do the top four for Ablecraft okay. and the top of the leaderboard as I've just currently generated, with 45,658 sats, we can expect it to be about double that uh, after correction is boobery. Woo! 
Boo-boo-y. Very nice. Mothman of the Miniocalypse. Or as I call him, the known boosting maniac. Yep. Right under him is actually UBM. Oh, very unknown, nice. Unknown mo- boosting maniac. Which unknown. 23,461 sats. And, uh, of course, this is the original unknown boosting maniac, which is the the name field, the default name field of uh, the RETLV library that this was built off from. Um, below that, we have Harv Hat at 22,224. And below that, Mere Mortals Podcast, which is... Uh, 17,098 and mere mortals is one that that has uh, several different aliases because sometimes it's mere mortals sometimes it's Chiron down sometimes it's Chiron down parentheses mere mortals podcast yeah and various other formulations and I think we'll stop at that I don't want to read the whole list because reading a list top to bottom on the on the air is not always the most interesting thing unless you're David. sure unless you're david letterman you can if you're david then yeah if maybe. you have a backing band then maybe <laughs> it, and so we'll, we'll leave it at that um the system that makes the rare encounter leaderboard is extremely simple to adapt all i have to do is change one conf one config string string which is the name of the show it's called show name equals and so i should be able to also do this for our album Abel and the Wolf uh, stay a while, and I should be able to do it for other things too. If because uh, there's a couple other minor projects, so maybe I can make a leaderboard that's all the things that aren't. You know, it's the catch-all of everything else that's coming in. I don't know. We'll, sure, we'll think about it whether that's a good idea or not later. <laughs> yeah, that sounds maybe that's giving too much away. No, I love it. Yeah. I love the progress and the the excitement around it. I didn't. I was surprised at how. Uh, much people responded. That might have been like one of our biggest boosted episodes once people started <laughs> you wanting that leaderboard spot. Yeah, and you didn't even have an official one. You're using the boost bot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, C-dubs was just like, oh. Because I was just like, oh, God, I guess that uh, I have a jo- another job to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something uh, interesting did happen on the uh, the whole music app front, though. Yeah. Um, Update me. On Telegram, uh, Roy reached out to me. Okay. Uh, Roy from Breeze. Nice. And um, he was like, hey, I want to introduce you to some people that uh, are interested in this music app thing. And uh, one was the guy that runs the Lightning Store uh, that you might have seen on uh, Sphinx. We talked about him pretty early on Mm -hmm. uh, as one of the music-enabled feeds out there. Okay. And then um, an- the the other guy that he added right away at the top was this guy uh, Chris out of the KC Bitcoiners. Um, and then eventually down the line there were a couple of more guys added. So like in total, there's five people in there. And so I just kind of pointed them to the um, pointed them to the GitHub repo and just kind of told them you know the early steps that we're at. Uh, and then something came out of the blue that I just didn't expect that I thought we were kind of past. And so I kind of want to have this conversation again with you and rehash things out. Okay. Uh, even though I'm pretty sure and solid at, as, as to where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this guy I've been working with was just, uh, he wouldn't get off the subject of royalties. And um, the traditional PROs mm-hmm. uh, and... Um, mechanical licenses and things like this, right. you know, 
And so I tried to make it pretty clear, like, that this project and the value for value ecosystem kind of exists outside of that or is an alternative to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of wanted to get your thoughts. Value for value, because he was just insisting, like, oh, I build these different revenue streams for my songs. I'm an artist. Uh, I want to do value for value in addition to grabbing all my ASCAP license fees and, you know, performance fees and royalties and stuff, uh, which there was a little bit of pushback from the group, but I pushed back the hardest. I mean, I don't really, you know, um, sugarcoat much or anything like that. Uh, I was pretty matter of fact about it. I, th- I you know, kind of ruffled some feathers. And then I think, I mean, we talked in person about it and we're cool and everything, but uh, he's just kind of transfixed on this idea that like, oh, but I need my royalties too. So I'm trying to figure out if, if there's any sort of room for value for value with royalties on top of it. And I wanted to get your opinion or your thoughts on that. We don't give up the copyright when we do value for value. We still own the copyright. If you right. read ableinthewolf.com, it says all rights reserved, and I think it says it in the feed too. Um, the reason that it says all rights reserved is because we couldn't get a license that was satisfying. And, well, you know, if you own the copyright to things and you post it on your own website, you didn't give up the copyright. You did publish That's it right. yourself, uh, but it's not uh, free for someone else to do whatever they want with it. Uh, Correct. And if we're not... Now, there's an ambiguity here, which I think is caused by the fact that these license groups are so, um, they're, they're, there's no alternative and it's just sort of assumed that every song ever is going to be part of one of these uh, groups or at least registered with ASCAP or BMI or one of these. I don't think that's automatic. And it is not. If there's some statutory thing that that causes it to be, I I think that's a failure. Of I uh, I completely agree. Uh, there was one thing that he brought to my attention that I had not been aware of, which was the uh, Music Modernization Act and new changes that they've brought to licensing licensing just within the last five years. Uh, the MMA passed in 2018 and it went into effect at the beginning of last year. Um, basically to give you the TLDR because I read uh, I read so many pages of US code last night and my brain turned to mush but uh, to give you the TLDR basically the Music Modernization Act created the MLC and the MLC exists to uh, issue these blanket mechanical licenses they're trying to basically be the official Borg like the one holy uh, overarching database and so, like, if you go to CD Baby or other these other publishing companies, right, that put your stuff, hey, we'll put your song everywhere, right? We'll put it on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes and all the stuff. You just come to us. And then they also sign you up with the MLC now is the way it works. And then the MLC can give you a blanket mechanical license to just play, like, a big library. Sort of like if you rolled the... BMI, CSAC, ASCAP people all into a big ball of Play-Doh. Yeah. And who Um, cashes... I just want to know, who cashes the check on that end? This is what I'm trying to figure out. So, the... uh, And and kind of what my hostility... The reason that I got so irritated in the... uh, Having to do all this research is because... 
for one, I was kind of past it. Like we're trying to build an ecosystem that we don't have to worry about this bullshit, right? We don't have to sign up for complicated licensing schemes. We don't have to uh, tell other companies they can sue on our behalf, like small businesses that might play our song and maybe we want our song played more places, you know, like uh, all of these different problems that I have and have have had personally with some of these uh, PROs in the past when I ran a small music venue and bar myself. Um, I was kind of beyond that. And so now I kind of find myself having to like defend value for value. And at the same time, if we make a, let's say we make a streaming music app, I don't want to put myself in legal jeopardy by streaming, uh, songs I don't have a license for. Right. And so I think that this kind of just circles the drain toward something that I've mentioned on the show before that we there needs to be a value for value license. I think like creative commons, but just slightly different, Mm -hmm. just a little bit tweaked for our purposes. There should be an official value for value license. And then we could add it to the license tag in the feed. And then we can know that that's good to offer value for value in any kind of streaming apps. So I want to roll you back a little bit on this and say that I don't intend to write a value for value license. I do intend to write enable in the wolf license which will be our take. And if someone else wants to copy the license, that's fine. But sure. my objective isn't, uh, it, and back when we were talking about whether we're going to have a license block inside there or not, what I had my on my plate, and I never really got through it because we had other things going on, um, was an idea of what I thought would be important for our endeavor. Sure. Uh, the the things that I want to protect and the things that, I, that I'm okay with giving away and it's based on our philosophy that no one else has to share and i don't think uh, i am qualified to write a license for nor nor, nor am is, i nor is anyone actually the to dictate would, you know what right. should the license for value for value be i don't know i'll tell you what i'll do i can come up with the things that are important to me and they have to do with covers they have to do with how that i'm sure. reserving my right to uh sell a song you know you can't make a movie with my song in it and uh, sure and uh say well it was free you know we just took it well no that's a no-go wait a minute that that's something that creative commons uh would prohibit if you have a no commercial uh that's dash right. inside there but one of the things that i might want to allow is some other limited commercial play so if there's another podcast and they are streaming um our music say in a a music segment on the show or something and they want to put us in the value block i think that's the same the same um kind of thing as these mechanical uh, mechanically granted license except the fact that ours are actually mechanical they're programmed right (laughs) you know (laughs) so the uh that that's what I wanted to get in there. Is that, okay. That, that I'm not starting the Creative Commons style foundation and uh, intending to write licenses for other people to use. I but I do think sure. it's a good idea for us to come up with one that we th- feel is appropriate. Yes. So I want to make a few things totally clear. Um, the first being that we didn't come up with value for value. It's not my idea. It's not your idea. It's you know, we got it from John Dvorak and Adam Curry of No Agenda. Mm-hmm. They came up with pretty much the model. Um, the model is the same thing this show operates under, the same thing that our uh, respective shows operate under. It's how we push, put our, light, uh, our album out. 
-hmm. We put it out there. You can listen to it. If you enjoy it, return the value that you got from it. Mm -hmm. It's a simple concept. And so it, it actually frees you from having to hold people hostage and go around and sue places and collect money and uh, say, oh, you got, you know, you played 98 streams. I demand, you know, three cents a stream or whatever, whatever the current model of royalties are. It, it gets more complicated every time a bill goes through the Senate. Um, however, I, I am interested in collaborating. Now, I also am not qualified. <laughs> I am not a legal mind i am not a licensed attorney by any means uh but i do have an interest in this stuff uh and licensure and would happy to help and brainstorm and communicate and get like the uh the talk going but i think like um i consider value for value sort of john and adam's baby more than anyone else's yeah and but i think that a boilerplate kind of uh template for people to use as a V for V license would be helpful. Creative Commons has, I think anything that's not in C would be compatible with a value for value streaming app. Uh, there are six Creative Commons licenses. The most simple one, just CC BY. All, all that you have to do is attribute the original work. Mm -hmm. You have to say who it's by. Uh, that's it. You can remix it, you can distribute it, you can adapt it, you can build on it, you can use it commercially. Uh, you can add same as to any Creative Commons license. That means that it still allows everything, like if you do CC BY same as, it allows everything, but if you make something out of it, you also have to CC BY SA. Uh, then there's NC that you can add, you mentioned, non-commercial. Yep. Now, I don't think that an NC would necessarily be copacetic with a value for value streaming app because the apps all of the current apps in the ecosystem uh take a fee for every transaction right i take this as um and if you wanted to get down to the ditty gritty just before i say my my piece here that um since the transaction fees on the lightning network are finite they're not zero zero Right. Um, you could argue that just being uh, in that chain is, well, you're making money off of it. And and I agree with that. I've done some analysis on this myself by reading the licenses and thinking hard alone in a room with the lights off, <laughs> which is the best way to think. And, <laughs> and I've also concluded the same thing, that it would be inappropriate to have a non-commer. And now the exception would be um, if we had – if it was our music, because if it's your music, Correct. you can go relicense it however you want. And just because it's distributed on some other website under a cer certain license doesn't mean you can't also distribute it under a different license on a different website. Correct. Um, but only you, the owner, can do that. Right. And I'm not sure, this is another question that I really have not found the answer to. I've been trying for m most of the week. Um, if you are a member of one of these PROs, then they ba you basically assign them, correct, the uh, the licensor of your works. And I, so you say, well, this organization will license it on our behalf. And I think you're firstborn in some other things while they're at it. Some things, yeah, <laughs> some things. But, I mean, you don't necessarily retain that full control when you... Uh, take the mark of the beast and and co-royalties right yeah i don't i don't uh i don't know what 
what exactly happens. If it's something you could ever take back, um, I presume it could be. Uh, you can leave, but I don't know if you can have one foot on each side of the fence is yeah, what I'm they, saying. They, they might d- demand some exclusive kind of license. Because the, the problem is that you can come to me and say, well, here's my music. I'm an ASCAP member. And I say, okay. And I play it because you told me I could. And I, you didn't tell me I, you were with ASCAP. But then ASCAP hears their music being played on my uh, app. And then they come and they're asking me about licensure and royalties and $150,000 statutory penalty and stuff like that. I, I want to cut this off because I don't know. I can't. I can't. I'm not just going to. Uh, guess on some of this, and I don't want to misstate. But I, sure. before I do, I do want to say, in, in so also getting the last word, that <laughs> you need to remember that um, music is often licensed a billion different ways from Sunday. Uh, yes, be music through that is available through BMI or ASCAP or something. But then there's another deal for it to show up in this movie this summer, right? And so. Uh, and then there's streaming rights and all this other stuff. And it's actually famously a spider web of um, basically a lawyer's wet dream, you know, of trying sure. to unscramble. What do we need to do to make this happen? Exactly. And, well, and to, to kind of make my original point, like we are trying to just operate outside of that and save everybody from having to rely on that because mm-hmm. there's a better way. There's a better way that you are just – it's more copacetic it's more directly it's just you and the audience there's no lawyer there's no uh royalty collector there's no other guy running around poking everybody in the stomach saying hey buddy yeah i i don't think that we're gonna talk the uh anyone with a big record deal into going value for value this this no no and nor do i intend to nor do i intend to um for people who haven't been listening since or or maybe it's it's good to reiterate this once in a while one of the things that we were trying to solve uh was that there's no great way to just put your music out yourself it's it seems like all these bands i'm talking about small uh, local bands um artists who who would normally be publishing on something like Bandcamp and then drawing attention, you know, through you know social media or something like that, through local concerts, things like that. Um, well, even if you're not even at up to that level, y- you can still get on Spotify through some of these other services. And, you, and, and the idea that you have to sign away um, all your chance at making money and then you get paid fractions of the penny on the stream, mm-hmm. it's it's just. Uh, it's distasteful and yes I, I don't i don't like the idea that there's one or two big silos that have all of the uh the music all of the important art for humanity are contained and owned by you know three companies or whatever right so the uh this project is you're right it's independent it is independent spirited and the kinds of artists who i think would be interested are independent kinds of artists right so, uh I'm, i don't have any uh, delusions about that. Sure. Well, I think that we're on the same page, and I apologize for bringing us to this weird, rocky place that uh, we wanted to avoid for this whole project anyway. But I also wanted to kind of bring it to the audience as well because it was just, it took, it caught me off guard as like this brand new group, and we're trying to discuss like development stuff, and then it comes into royalties and such. Like, just like was outside of the scope, you know? Yeah. Well, what, what should happen is, there should be a license uh, that you can stick in that tells people what 
they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. And sure. it be plain English. You know, Creative Commons right. has really pioneered the simple license that everyone understands. And people who are respecting Creative Commons licenses are generally, uh, I, I think there's more people who are just sort of like the everyman, you know, the, the average person, the average creative, <laughs> to use that word. Content creator. You know, people understand how these work and they understand that I could use this music in my little art project or in my film that I'm putting together. And it's, yes, you know, and you don't have to negotiate. People understand if you put it in simple language, people understand what you want them to do and not do. There's... A, a little, I don't want to say stay, there's a hesitancy that I think people have about writing licenses where they think they have to be a lawyer to list what I just said, which is the things that I wish you would do and not do. Right. Uh, I, I reject that. I think that if you are careful in your language, you can write those things out in a way that's satisfying to you. And everyone's going to point, whoa, it's going to go to court. It's going to get overthrown because you're not a, a shark lawyer who put in all the gotchas and the secret ma the secret spell words that would uh, that would have saved you otherwise. Right. And I think that's a little bit of a fantasy. You're watching too much TV. I agree. The The license and um, the the intellectual property remains yours as long as you don't sign it away. And then the license is how people are allowed to use your shit. And if they don't obey the license, then you have legal recourse. This is a, this is something that I, a while ago, I had a pretty good conversation with uh, Cottingen about this. Wow. It may have been before Ablecraft. It may have been very early on in Ablecraft too. And it was a uh, discussion about licenses. It mm. was a, it was a discussion about the block tag and uh, remember that yes. one? And I yep. and here was my take on it. I'm I'm resurfacing it because somehow we got on licenses today. I'm it, sorry. The, <laughs> it had to be done because it just came up, man. The on my list. The idea of the of the block tag was that you could put in a slug that said Spotify shall not play my stream through their app and put ads on it and do all kinds of things. And then, right. well, now I need a slug for Apple and say Apple will not do this. And so the idea of the block tag being this thing where we're, someone's obviously has to maintain a list of, uh, of what's allowed and what's not allowed. And then somehow Dave Jones would have the job of, I guess, cleaning up other people's messes by pulling uh, disallowed podcasts out. If someone said, uh, don't put me in the podcast index, Mm. ironically inside a podcasting 2.0 feed that's right you know <laughs> using but, their tag to using their namespace to do it oh my god right and so that sounds like something we would do for fun just to <laughs> see what would happen just to try our new single not allowed in the podcast index <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good one the uh the, my response to all that was, Doug, we already have a thing that describes what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do with this content, and it's called a license. And what, you really, what you really need to do is have a license for your podcast that says... If you, you can't put ads on it. You can't put ads on it. And you yeah. put the license in, the license tag, and if that's all, if the text is a... Uh, uh, that this is going to be the same as um, a CC BY, except no one's allowed to insert ads or run ads next to it or mm -hmm. do whatever your criteria is, then I don't see how that's uh, – you have less of a case in court than any other license. You know, if someone – I totally agree. Uh, put your likeness or put a celebrity likeness up on their Bitcoin uh, – <laughs> 
rug pull scam. Well, who who was that? The celebrity who kept showing up on all those ads? I think I heard oh, about it on man. a bowl after bowl. It was like um was it Woody Harrelson? It was uh um, Western Clint Eastwood, wasn't it? Clint Eastwood, yeah. yes. That's right. You know. It was on the lanes, yep. Clint Eastwood. Mm. Well, uh just to round us out, I think that my golden arrow uh license would be similar to cc by only um instead in addition to attribution you're required to basically make the pitch you're required to you know say this is a value for value and here's where you can give the value you just have to say this is where the value goes this is who it is so it's it's like so close cc by is so close it requires attribution but value for value requires the value pitch you know it requires that ask it says hey i put value in this is where you give it back and then boom I want to carve out for covers um, of a certain kind, not every mm. single cover, um, but the, there's going to be Only some, rude parodies. I, I think it's going to be also covering live, um, and there's, there's going to be some requirements around that, but I don't it's, – it's basically if you're – it's going to – what I'm trying to find a way to codify, and I don't know a good way to do it yet, which is, yeah, if you're a big national act and you're playing stadiums and you play it, yeah, you got to write a check. But if you're like playing an open mic night and you want to play an Able Craft song, I'm not going to stop you. In fact, I encourage it. And, uh, and also, by doing so, uh, you're protected. And even if I change my mind, you can point to the license and say, yes, I was safe doing that. It says so right here. Nice. So there's little little carve-outs like that and also carve-outs for, um, you know, streaming to something that would allow playlist, value-for-value value playlist. Um, yeah. Hey, man, maybe maybe our pitch is like run your own node we recommend, write your own license we recommend, <laughs> you know? I, I'm pretty... Take the power back. I don't like compelled speech, um, It which even means that if you use my thing, you have to say the word, right? Right, so right. The, the kind of... If the license were to have something like that in, it, the thing that I would request be in there would be, hey, in the description at the bottom, you know, where you put all the sure. legalese, you could put a little acknowledgement there. It doesn't have to be at the top of the episode, you know, I, I think a Watermark little, the whole thing. little description or comment in the text along with all the other things that you're acknowledging. Um, in the same way that if you were to use a CC BY song in a movie, well, you'd put a line in the credits for it. And uh, I, I feel that's the appropriate level. And it, I'm not going to say, hey, value for value license, you got to make a V for V pitch. By the way, most people are bad at that. I'm sure. terrible. Well, you know? and by, by pitch, I do mean like that would totally count. A link in the description would totally count. Like just somewhere uh, like, you got to let people know where they can go. Yeah. So if I know what value for value is, right, and I'm like, oh, shit, I want to give value back, I should be able to find how. <laughs> It'll be right next to Kevin McLeod for the uh, for the music. <laughs> you gotta right click the secret spot. Yeah. Uh, well, I got some uh, boostograms pulled up. I, I was if you just, wanna... I was just opening up. Very nice. Why don't you hit? Why don't you knock us off? Uh, we're starting from two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago, I have uh, two one two one two sats. <laughs> two one two one two from boobs booberry. Uh, who says, oh, fuck yeah, you're going to make me want to do it. Yeah, thank you. That was for Borg Acquisition for that episode, it looks like. Yes. At a fountain there. Um, I see 11111 sats from Harv Hat from our Hot or Not episode. Looky for an after-the-fact boost. Ah, I see it. I see it right there. 
Very nice. Thanks, like Harv Hat. That's why he's on the leaderboard. Harv Hat's uh, now. I think Boobery is still at the top because I read that. Uh, but Harv Hat made the uh, the second place. Now the unknown boosting maniac, I don't think counts as a second place because it's a uh, it's an aggregate of many unknown people. Yes. So Harv Hat, I think, is is uh, is the true. Anon is legion. <laughs> Anon is legion. <laughs> maybe we should have. Uh, maybe we should have some kind of collective identity that everyone could set their name to and boost. Oh, yeah. Kil- <laughs> the Kilroy boost or the something. The Kilroy boost, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> all the people who don't want to be named, you know. Um, we had 2,222 2, sats from Mere Mortals podcast. Yes, a little row of ducks there, four ducks out of fountain. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, he says, nice to hear you two back at the mic again. Any chance we can get a sneak peek at the draft version of the logo? My curiosity is peaking. <laughs> I think he just wants to know if we got the emu look right. I've had it in my at the top of my show notes page for the last uh, three episodes, so I've been looking yeah. at it all the time. I see it, yeah, and it's in my. Uh, it's the little icon for for Ablecraft thirty two. So uh, I think we can find a way to toot that out, maybe. Yeah, well, if you're okay with it. I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, it still needs coloring, and I haven't since we discussed it on the show. I haven't uh, done any work on it at all. So yeah, it still looks like it did when you said. Yeah, change the blue. <laughs> change the blue. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing that's the last one. Do you see that's the last uh, one? That's, that's the last for me as well. All right. Well, thank you, Kyron. Uh, Mere Mortals podcast. Uh, I've been listening to that, too, a little more than I, I do, by the way. Yeah, he's been got, cranking out some good stuff lately, for sure. He's been cr- I did, never noticed how often he published. Yeah, it's, it's like a lot. Every other day, I was like, look at it. Oh, there's it's another a lot, one. man. Um, the the reason I noticed that Mere Mortals podcast um, published so often is because I was playing around with podcast apps again and trying to really figure out what features I liked about Podcast Addict. And it's almost like a love letter that I want to do for uh, for Podcast Addict because there are some really excellent things going on for this app that that. Uh, now, unfortunately, it doesn't do value for value, uh, but it does implement a lot of podcasting 2.0 features. And I, I mm-hmm. want to point out some of the most compelling things about it to me. Um, and this is in the hope that you know, uh, saying it out loud will let other other people maybe if they don't use the app, they'll understand the kind of features that I think are compelling. <laughs> um, the first one was the uh, the option to keep all of the you know this grid of all the show icons. Um, basically in the order that you add them, or you can actually reorder and drag them, drag and drop them around. Um, I think some other apps do that, maybe even podcasting 2.0 apps, but I've, uh, this is the only one I've done it with. But I had set it to, I was just picking random settings I've never turned on, and one of them was to push the most recent update to the top, and by publishing so often, a uh, photograph of Kyron Down is always in the top left corner. <laughs> <laughs> always a fresh one for you. Yeah. I got a little bit of, uh, I, got, I posted a, a philosophical, though a slightly tongue-in-cheek uh, request or, or question on podcastindex.social uh, along the same lines where I was asking, is it possible to, instead of showing most recent podcasts, show most interesting podcasts? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> which, uh, so, I don't, it may be less obvious if, uh, if you don't, work with me or see me every single day but this is definitely in the most open um like serious version of is it possible i mean could it ever be done and interesting 
is a key word because it may be impossible to codify what's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that was sort of the facetious part of this thing. Got to be one of the most subjective things. So, Did you get any sincere responses? Oh, Mitch Downey fell for the bait immediately. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, I did. Actually, I got uh, the discussion kicked off by this silly thing. And, and <laughs> I, I would expect that to happen over there. <laughs> we ended up talking. We ended up uh, having a, a short discussion over the last couple of days. Of, I think Dave Jones popped in. The person in location tags are not fully exploited was a comment that I made in there. And it's something that uh, mm. I do feel needs to be fully exploited at some point. There's a lot I of, agree. there's a lot of um, things you can do with person, especially mm-hmm. with music um, in, in, you know, keeping track of who is who and who's yes. playing on who else's album, that kind of well, stuff. And that's uh, one of the things I'm trying to uh, make the API kind of built to return you know, is uh, person-based stuff, um, different, uh, like we want album and song, you know, track name stuff. So like all these different tables exist that you can um, yeah. pull up pull up uh, certain IDs. And but I think I'm going to have to rewrite the uh, feed table to be a little bit more verbose where like the main meat and potatoes go, you know. the uh, There was a discussion of the podcast suggested tag. Uh, I forgot that that came up. That came up yesterday. Oh, uh, yes. The same thread. And, I'll have uh, to check this thread out. It sounds pretty. Now, the official take, uh, at least from, I w- maybe it's not the official, it's Abel Kirby's take on the podcast suggest. It's official is, enough for me, baby. If it If it is listing associated acts or listing things that I want to be associated with, then all of my podcasts are going to be associated with Minecraft and Taylor Swift (laughs) because that's how you play the game. And if I'm a naive um, recommendation engine who just trusts what's in there, then I'm going to be led around by people who, who, who take that track. Yeah. And so I, I don't think, Letting podcasts identify who who they're associated with, and and by the way, a suggestion is that kind of uh, relationship. It might be a one way relationship, but sure, where you're you are pushing people to you know, if I'm the radiators, I might suggest that you listen to the Grateful Dead. But there's that reciprocity exists, even if it's implicit that if you like the radiators, you might listen, or you like the Grateful Dead, you might listen to the radiators too. For example, um, yeah. See, this is how the early web used to work actually in the early like searches um they would weight stuff based upon well first it was like um you know your page content and then it was oh well we'll make sure that it's in the metadata and the page content but uh there's a reason it doesn't work like that anymore (laughs) and it's exactly like you're describing in fact if you go to heaven's gate the weird hailbop comet (laughs) cult yeah uh, yeah the one that their website has been perfectly preserved since 1999. And uh, if you go down to the very bottom, you can uh, drag your cursor across the bottom, and you'll see all these invisible words pop up. Uh, some of them phrases that are repeated, Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate, Heaven's Gate. Uh, there's like Yoga, Yoda, a lot of different weird words, but that's what uh, the intent of all of that stuff at the bottom of the page is. It's to... Uh, increase those hits in search engines and in web crawlers to this page. Prophecy, rapture, reactive mind, recycling the planet. Wait a minute. 
Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that. Someone don't right click on Earth and hit recycle. Thank you. <laughs> right. This isn't the time for that. This is uh, tricks of the trade of that time. I love this website because it's kind of a snapshot of how it used to work. So we could go back into, um, if we went through all those phases, we could have like top sites and web rings and all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, the suggested tag, I, it, this is coming into focus right now, is basically a web ring kind of thing. And there's a reason that those don't work very well anymore. Um, where I refer to you, you refer to me, and okay, we've established some unit, but it's just not, it's just doesn't work at scale, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I was going at, and then I promptly forgot, was the, um, the, uh, not the location tag, the person tag. Um, I'm sorry, back up. The location tag is what I was going to. Uh, uh yes. I, I want to get back to, um, Podcast Addict and sing praises because I've used a feature in Podcast Addict that works better than any other podcast app that I've ever used. And that is using the search feature to search for the text of episode descriptions for podcasts that I do not know of. Hmm. And I've used this for research purposes, um, including finding just podcasts on Anchor. And I'll, I'll give you this story. I, I actually told DeLorean this story uh, uh, while you were, we were talking while we were doing shopping and stuff for the other uh, day. But I was putting together a piece for Rare Encounter, and it was like research on um, – it was Saul Pais, who was a – um, young woman from Florida, I think she was 18, and then she bought a plane ticket to Colorado. I think I think this was in 2019 when it happened, and they locked down the state uh, because it was also the anniversary of Columbine, and there was the suspicion that she wanted to uh, do a mass shooting, and so they they um, they shut down a lot of schools, and there was a lot of things going on. and And I had an analysis. We I decided it was too dark for Rare Encounter. I was going to do it with Dean Reiner, uh, but then I also quit my job the same day I, I did the Dean Reiner episode, and it turned out to be about that instead. So it never got aired. It was a it's an unaired, uh, I guess, up is down <laughs> segment. I still have the notes for it. Maybe it'll be resurrected someday. But when I was doing that, one thing that I wanted to get was reactions from contemporary sources. And so I went and I got the news articles from the day. I was trying to find the progression of, because I remember that day, I was in Colorado, the news that we heard at 8 a.m., the news that we heard at noon, the news that we heard at 3 and 4, and, and this sequence. And what you really only find is the final version of all these stories, and so it was difficult. And I sure. was just trying to recall what the sequence was. And so I started putting different terms into podcast attic search, um, her name and things about the date. And anyway, what I ended up getting was a bunch of anchor feeds. Um, there was one in particular that was interesting, and it was high school students who did a podcast with one episode, and the episode was crappy audio, and it was you know twenty minutes long, and it hadn't been updated since uh, the summer of twenty nineteen. Sure, but you know <laughs> what I zeroed in on. What's that? High school students talking about that day. We were in, uh, so what happened to you? Well, I was in class and they're basically interviewing each other and they recited through that. And this was, you know, the, the material that I guess I'm spoiling now, but it was talking about all the rumors at the school for what was uh, going on. Sure. Oh, we saw someone in Loveland saw running naked across a field. You know, we heard that. And then, you know, uh -huh. they had, um, 
this material, which you would never be able to find on Google, you would never be able to find anywhere else. Um, I mean, these are recordings of people who were there in uh, their experience. What what happened that day, you know? Yeah. It, the only way that I know how to find that is through Podcast Addict. And it's because they had written her name inside the show notes. And, well, that was indexed in the right way. So you yes. can get it. Fantastic. So it was a phenomenally useful feature. When I look for interviews for um, maybe people that I care about, I, I will actually use Podcast Addict and search for it. Like if I was, I wanted to learn more about Christy Nome because I was considering moving to South Dakota a little while ago. Uh, I ended up in Ohio. There was a, there was a choice made there. Um, some might remember me doing podcast episodes from uh, South Dakota one week, but the, <laughs> yep. uh, I wanted to figure out who is this woman. I don't know. I've heard her name. And so it turns out that if you do a search with her, you can put her put her name in or put in Bitcoin topics, things like that. And you get all of the little straggler podcasts that you'd never hear of or find any other way, except for the fact they interviewed her or they talk about that niche Bitcoin thing. And uh, there's my little tip. Uh, I, I'm not here to promote podcast addict, but I'm, I am here to promote good user experiences and uh, describing this, I think is sure uh, needs to be done. I've got one to throw in for you. I'll go for it. Uh, it, that I like about Podcast Addict, they have an excellent um, implementation of the transcript. Oh, they do. They do. Yes. So if you turn on the transcript and like play the um, Abel and the Wolf album, the lyrics pop right up on the art and it's a very, very cool experience. I, I love the way it works. And part of that is because you nailed the time codes on all the on that srt file yeah um that is a that is something i can teach people how to do uh it it only takes maybe twice the length of the song maybe three times the length of the song to get it right if you use the right software and i have a workflow that i've never really published um that does that where you actually line up the the text for when it pops on the screen and pops it off, mm-hmm. it, you line it up with the waveform in the file. So uh, the software that I was using is called Agisub. It's used for fan subbing uh, anime, but anime has those, the fan subs at least, have those tight pop in and pop outs that I love. It, yes. You know, the word pops in when they're talking, it disappears as soon as they finish. And you, yep. don't, you don't end up with that awkward bullshit when you have DVD subtitles or uh, blue, even Blu-ray subtitles, stuff on TV where someone walks in and says, hey, you know what? And then they're, and before the character says it, the punchline is already on the screen. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it's this lame, bad experience. The timing is horrible. Yep. So I, I am a fan of the tight timing. I've used Agisub before. And so that's the, the software that I used. It doesn't quite make SRT files. <laughs> you have to do an extra thing, but I, I have the workflow. I can share it to Ooh, anyone who's secret interesting. workflow. I'll share it to anyone who wants to know. I just can't recite it right now. Um, bleh, the last thing that you've reminded me of, I'm going to add this to the, uh, to the, the bounty list. Okay. The most wanted list. Uh-oh. The... This is something that I've been hacking on, and I'm going to put it on here. I've, I've mentioned it on podcastindex.social once. Um, but inside every boostagram, in addition to the amount received and the message, is also a time code. And what mm. I here's what I want to do. I want TLV record to go in, or a list of TLV records per episode. Um, so if we have an Ablecraft episode... 
any boost that came in during it, 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 not, not during the live episode, but you know, if someone did a boostagram between live episodes and it shows up attributed to the, um, to a certain time inside the app or what am I saying? Inside the podcast, what I want to do is take the text and take the time code and put it in an SRT file. Mm. And so in that way, it, it, and the other idea would be to continually update it on a server. And so sure. if you're listening after the fact to a recorded podcast and you send a boostagram, then it shows up as a subtitle at the time when you posted it. That would be tight. And it's, For other people listening later, so this, sort of like a timed comment or like, like SoundCloud, it, you can do that too. It is an exact copy of the SoundCloud um, experience. Solid, Where, where yeah. you have those texts pop up in the middle, you know? I love it. So uh, I don't have a name. I guess this needs a succinct name. What would you call it? Someone will come along and they will boost this exact moment and name <laughs> it. And yeah. forever it will be stamped there. I, I think the boostograms, uh, there, was, there was always something, some appeal to it. I, the immediate thing I thought when I first heard of boostograms was this idea that, well, you know, Bob farted back in episode 24 and they've been boosting that for years, you know, <laughs> you <laughs> maybe know, a, something like that. Maybe a boost stamp. A boost stamp. Boost stamp. Well, I'm going to, I have the list. I took notes as we went and uh, I can pop this one out and we need to pick a date. It sounded like uh, the podcast 2.0 uh, hackathon had some idea of a date, but I haven't heard an announcement. So I'm not. I think that we're going to do our thing the exact same time they do their thing, and so people can nice. work on one or the other. Um, double sats if you if you do something that uh, Podcasting 2.0 likes, and it also is something that uh, that we like. Um, I think there should be a, a prize that we can award arbitrarily, also. Yeah. So there'll be a there'll be a prize just for making me laugh or uh, <laughs> making uh, Sir Spencer uh, raise his eyebrows. The tickle our fancy. Yes, prize. The, the tickler fancy prize will be in there. Uh, but yeah, w- this is not mutually exclusive. If you do something for Podcasting 2.0 Hackathon and you also tick off the right box here, then uh, you can win both prizes. Ba-bam, double dip. How's that for a double dip? Hey, the double <laughs> dip, man. All right. I think I've been dipping long enough, and uh, I think we should try and wrap this one up. That sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. And I have been Sir Spencer. Double in the dip. 